Gonzaga's streak of being ranked in the AP Top 25 continues as they fall to number 24, but as the only four-loss team in the poll, we wonder if they should even still be there. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. We got some Mailbag Monday questions to address today on Wednesday on the Locked On Zags Podcast. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about the AP poll. The Zags fall to 24, but their streak of 142 consecutive weeks ranked inside the AP poll continues. They have now passed Arizona from 1988 to 1995 for the 11th longest streak ever. And as we said at the top, the Zags are the only four-loss team still in the AP poll. Creighton was a four-loss team as well. They have two losses to Mountain West programs in Colorado State and UNLV. Also lost their first two games, or two of their first three games, excuse me, in Big East play. They have fallen out of the AP poll. And Creighton started the season ahead of Gonzaga in the AP poll. Throughout the season has primarily been ahead of Gonzaga in the AP poll, or at least right around them. And yet they fall out of the poll. Gonzaga stays in the poll. A report from Theo Lawson says that I think 39 of the 63 AP voters did not have Gonzaga in the top 25, but the aggregate rankings was still enough for them to sneak in at 24 and keep that streak alive. Of course, we know for Gonzaga, their losses, none of them are particularly bad. Every single one of them as a quad one loss. They are perfect in quad two, quad three, and quad four, but they don't have a single quad one victory. And the question we want to talk about right now, should they still be ranked? Personally, in my Locked On College Basketball rankings, which came out on Monday, which many of you saw on on social media, saw if you listened to or watched the Locked On College Basketball podcast, uh, I did not have Gonzaga ranked in the latest college basketball podcast. None of us did between myself, my co-host Isaac Shade, and our guest Leaf Tulin. All three of us had Gonzaga out of the top 25. We did collectively have San Diego State ranked, and that is an interesting wrinkle here because San Diego State is not ranked in the AP poll, and Gonzaga is. And you compare their resumes. Again, of course, just head-to-head comparisons don't matter if they did. Northwestern beating Purdue would mean Northwestern's ahead of Purdue. Chicago State beat Northwestern. Chicago State ahead of them. Everybody who's beat Chicago State, it just it doesn't work like that. That's not how the polls work. That's not how they've ever worked. But Gonzaga and San Diego State, as a straight head-to-head comparison kind of hard to look at San Diego State's resume and not see it as being better than Gonzaga's, especially when you factor in the fact that they came to Spokane, played at the McCarthy Athletic Center, and beat Gonzaga. A look at their resumes side by side. Ken Palm has Gonzaga 28th currently, whereas San Diego State is 24th. The net, which doesn't necessarily, shouldn't necessarily be used uh, in terms of determining where teams go in the AP poll, but still, right now, Gonzaga is 57th in the net, whereas San Diego State is 23rd. Very big differences between those two programs right now. Uh, San Diego State is 11 and 2, whereas Gonzaga, of course, is 9 and, or excuse me, 8 and 4. Big difference there as well. Uh, San Diego State's losses are not particularly bad losses. They lost on the road at BYU. They lost on the road to Grand Canyon. Uh, that Grand Canyon loss is going to look worse than any of Gonzaga's losses, but it's not 
dramatically worse than a loss to Washington. It's not dramatically worse than even the loss to San Diego State. Uh, so to me, I, I have a hard time looking. And San Diego State has some really close games. They, they went to overtime against Cal. They beat UC San Diego by one. They beat UC Irvine by one. None of those are particularly good results for them. And I understand that that could factor into decisions in some capacity. But at the end of the day, they won those games. They have less losses than Gonzaga. They have more wins than Gonzaga. They beat Gonzaga head-to-head. It's hard for me to see the argument for ranking Gonzaga ahead of San Diego State. It's not a particularly fun thing for me to say and discuss on the podcast. Not a fun thing for many of you to hear. But the AP poll, apparently, collectively, didn't agree with that assessment. San Diego State was one of the, the highest teams receiving votes, nearly cracked into the top 25. But they did not, whereas Gonzaga did. I have not checked out the pulse on San Diego State's fan base. I know they have some uh, Twitter accounts in particular that have been anti-Gonzaga in the past, and I have a feeling they are fairly upset right now at not being ranked ahead of Gonzaga in a situation where, by all accounts, it looks like they probably should be. They have a legitimate argument in that capacity, but that is what it is. I do think Gonzaga keeps that top 25 spot in part because of reputation, I do think people looked at the losses, especially Purdue and UConn, and thought, okay, well, those are two totally fine losses. So it really only feels like they have two quote-unquote bad losses. San Diego State and UW are both quad one losses. So I do think that that helps Gonzaga's resume. And I do think that overall, as we get you know into the into conference play and, and closer and closer to March Madness, Gonzaga's lack of bad losses is going to be a factor. Gonzaga is typically not a four-loss team heading into WCC play. This is rare for them. This is unusual for them, but they are not bad losses. And I think that's a testament to the team's ability to schedule well. We we certainly have wished that their schedule turned out a little bit better, but we can't control that USC has completely, you know, is circling the drain as a team that may not even make the NCAA tournament. We cannot control that UCLA is if if USC is circling the drain, UCLA is already down it. Like that is a team that doesn't even look like they're going to finish in the top half of the Pac-12 right now. They are very bad. They are struggling to find any semblance of an identity offensively. They are a really young team, a really freshman-laden team, and it doesn't appear that the development that they were hoping for is happening. Mick Cronin is finding ways to blame everybody but himself for this team's struggles early on this season. Uh, and I'm not sure that things are going to get better for them. I'm a little more confident things will get better for USC, but not nearly at the, they're not going to be ranked again. They're not going to be back in the top 25. That, that's that, that win isn't going to age all that well for Gonzaga, unfortunately. And those are things that are just outside of Gonzaga's control, but they needed to be Washington or San Diego state. They really should have won both those games, but at the very least they needed to win one of those games. I, I really think if this is a three loss team, the conversation around this team is much different than if it is a four loss team. If they hadn't struggled down the stretch against Washington on the road, if they had managed to pull off that comeback against San Diego state, the conversation around this team is a lot different. But what will be interesting now is Gonzaga is in a spot where they are still in the top 25. Teams tend to not drop too much farther unless they lose. That doesn't necessarily mean that Gonzaga won't fall out of the top 25. But Gonzaga is in a spot where their streak may continue. If they stay in the AP top 25 for one more week, they will move from the 11th longest streak ever to the 10th longest streak ever, tying Duke, who has a streak of 143. I'm not sure when in Duke's you know, a very extensive history that streak necessarily is. But Gonzaga is probably going to be able to hold on to that if they continue to win. And as we mentioned on Monday's episode of Locked on Zags, the early WCC schedule for Gonzaga is pretty cush. 
They got Pepperdine at home on January 4th. We're going to preview that game for Thursday's episode. They got San Diego on the 6th, also at home. Those are two of the weaker teams in the WCC, both teams outside the top 200 at Ken Palm right now. Again, both home games. Gonzaga should take care of both those games somewhat handily. If that's the case, it's hard. I, any voters who currently have Gonzaga in the top 25 probably aren't going to drop them for winning two games. Doesn't mean they won't necessarily. Certainly a team that maybe they had just on the outside. I don't know who San Diego State plays in their first two Mountain West games, but if San Diego State goes out and beats Colorado State in New Mexico, for example, that should jump them ahead of Gonzaga, or at least some voters will probably vote for San Diego State instead of Gonzaga in that situation. I could understand why that would happen. So I'm not saying Gonzaga's streak is not necessarily completely safe, but again, for voters who kept Gonzaga in the top 25, removing them from losing is just not something voters typically do. There's another argument for whether they should. That's a different conversation, but they probably will not. And so for Gonzaga, if they can beat Pepperdine in San Diego at home, they stay in the poll for another week. The second week of January, they only have one game. It is at Santa Clara. That is a somewhat difficult game. I don't want to pretend that that's an automatic win on the road this year. It, Pretty much anywhere in the WCC on the road is a little bit tougher. Uh, I don't feel super uh, concerned about at Portland or at Pacific necessarily, but at Santa Clara, a good team with an NBA caliber guard and Adama Ball with Carlos Marshall playing well, a well-coached team with Herb Sendak, that could be a challenging game. The good news for Gonzaga is if they win that game, they are very likely to continue their streak of being in the AP Top 25 going forward. After that, they, they repeat playing Pepperdine in San Diego, those two games at the road. So by January 20th, the Zags will have played five more games. They're all five very winnable games. Assuming they win all five of those games, they're probably going to stay in the AP Top 25 throughout the first couple weeks of January, continuing that streak, hopefully building some momentum. The streak doesn't matter to me and to many of you as much as building some momentum building some confidence, some development, some growth for some of their younger players as they get into the meat uh, of, the, of the WCC play and, of course, get towards that Kentucky game coming up on February 10th. We got some mailbag questions that were submitted over the weekend. We haven't quite gotten to them yet. We're going to answer a few of them here, uh, including how much of a factor Steel Venters' preseason injury is for this team. We're going to discuss that and a quote from Tommy Lloyd all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? And LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why they've created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals making hiring insanely easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. We have big plans for growing the show in 2024, and we know that hiring the right team member can help do just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, segment two, still in Pat and still Locked On Zags podcast. Going to answer a handful of mailbag questions that came in 
after the San Diego State game. A lot of you asked questions that I felt were answered in our conversation on Monday. So for those of you who don't hear your question answered in this show, you can definitely reach out to me and we can talk about potentially getting a variation of that question answered later in the week or next week when we do mailbag uh, after the Pepperdine and San Diego games. But a lot of the questions were about, is it WCC or bust for Gonzaga? Some lineup changes, stuff that I think we've discussed a handful of times. But there were a few questions that were a bit different that I wanted to get to in today's show. This question here comes from Austin via Discord. Austin says... So far, Gonzaga has been plagued with injuries and bad shooting this season. Easy to blame all of it on Venters' ACL, but how much of that do you think is true? Not saying we'd be 13-0, but it's hard not to say we would look a heck of a lot better if he was healthy thoughts. Yeah, I'm glad you said blaming Venters as ACL and not blaming Steel Venters. It's not his fault. It's his ACL's fault, right? So, uh, yes, the the factor, the Venters' injury is a huge factor. And I think it is reasonable to... Not blame all of it. Certainly, there are other there are other things, and we'll talk about some of those. But it's hard not to wonder what this team would look like with Steel healthy, because a lot of the, the issues that we've seen on the floor for Gonzaga would be fixed by a player of Venter's archetype. And we didn't get to see him in the system. We saw him in the in the craziness in the kennel, and we didn't really get to see anything from him outside of that. A little bit in the Lewis Clark scrimmage. That's it. So it's hard to be able to know exactly what this team would look like with Steel. But there are certain things that we do know. Venter's the best shooter on this roster. That's a, a definitive fact. It was a fact before he even played a single game for Gonzaga. He's a 40% shooter uh, at Eastern Washington. One of the best pure three-point shooters uh, at the mid-major level was going to come in and be a pure outside shooter for Gonzaga. The role he was going to fill is a role that Gonzaga doesn't have on the current roster. No, There's no debate about any of that. Venter's would have opened up the floor... He, the spacing in the starting lineup would be considerably better with him than with Dusty Stromer. Not a knock on Dusty, just a, just a fact regarding Venters' skill sets compared to Dusty's at this point in their career. Opening up the spacing a little bit more would allow more side-to-side side ball screen actions with Ryan Nempard and Graham E.K. potentially. It would give Graham E.K. more room down low to operate on the block. Uh, the other key thing about Venters is not only is he a good three-point shooter, but we saw again in the Lewis and Clark scrimmage, he's a good backdoor cutter as well, which means that defenders not only have to be out on him on the perimeter to make sure he doesn't get open looks, but if they're too, if they're focused on what's going on with the ball, if they're looking at Nempard, they have an eye away from Venters, he can cut to the the basket and get easy looks that way. So his ability to to really pull defenders focus away from the middle of the court while also uh, just creating more space I think is would have been really really valuable for Gonzaga. I also think they identified Venters as kind of a, a way to give a break to Nemhard and Hickman that they don't really have. I don't think they they identified uh, Dusty as somebody they want to play the two. It's pretty clear to see that because he's not playing the two. They're not playing him there and instead are playing Nemhard and Hickman basically every minute of every game. There is criticism of Mark Few for that. I understand that. Certainly now with Luke Krinovich also hurt, you can also you can understand why there's limited options in terms of what Mark Few can do to get those guys a break. But I think it's clear that they planned for Steele to be able to play the two with Dusty playing the three or Yo playing the three or maybe even the three big lineups. But they wanted Steele to be able to play the two, which would allow either Nemhart or Hickman to play the one while the other sits on the bench. Without Steele, they don't have the opportunity to do that. I think that you, when you look at literally every issue Gonzaga has had this year, the three-point shooting, the fatigue from the bench, like those are the two biggest ones, and Steele absolutely helps with those things. But there are other things that caused a problem for Gonzaga this year. 
Recruiting was an issue for them this year. It was an odd recruiting year. They lost some commits. Those are things that just happened. And what I really want to do now, and I'm glad this question came through because it gave me an opportunity to talk about this quote that I saw uh, from Theo Lawson, the great reporter for the Spokesman Review. He's working on an article where he did an interview with Tommy Lloyd, of course, the head coach at Arizona, the longtime assistant coach at Gonzaga. And Theo shared some of the quotes that he got from Tommy on Twitter. And I'm going to read them here because I think that they really line up well with this question and, and, and also just kind of a lot of people's overall fear and angst about this Gonzaga team so far. So I'm just going to read the direct quote here. I pulled, pulled a few quotes out of it, but the majority of the quote here from Tommy Lloyd uh, to Theo Lawson. He says, quote, if people are frustrated, they need to check themselves for one. The reason they're frustrated is a byproduct of them having so much success. Things happen. Injuries happen. You end up with a quirky recruiting year every once in a while. I think people just need to look at the big picture and understand what he's done has never been done at a program like Gonzaga, where you took a middle of the road mid-major program and you've made it into one of the top programs of the country year in and year out. And I think that's a really healthy way to look at it and a, and a strong reminder for Gonzaga fans. The reason that this season feels so frustrating. Again, the AP voters collectively have determined that Gonzaga is still a top 25 team in the country. We may disagree with them, but at the end of the day, Gonzaga is still viewed as one of the better teams in the country. And they are still viewed as an NCAA tournament team at this point. It is a more precarious spot than it has been in a long time, since 2015, 2016. Before that, uh, it's, you know, it's been a while. Gonzaga has been in the NCAA tournament every year since 1999. And it is when that is in jeopardy, people start to panic. I understand that. I feel that. I get that. But Tommy has a good perspective here that I think is worth reminding people. And this isn't directly directed at, at Austin's question here. And specifically, I think it just kind of ties into it well of like, this is just a weird year and weird things happen. Gonzaga very rarely has injuries. They have been very fortunate to not deal with significant catastrophic injuries to their team. Josh Perkins had that really bad injury uh, a few years back when he got kicked in the mouth and ended up missing the rest of the season. That was a devastating one. Of course, Killian Tilly dealt with uh, significant injury issues throughout his career, including an injury that ultimately had a significant role in them losing to Florida State in the NCAA tournament back in 2017. So these are 2018. These things happen. And it's just one of those years where a handful of things kind of came together to, to create this, this messy situation for Gonzaga, because not only did Steel Venters, a player they were significantly relying on to fill a valuable role, not only did he get hurt right before the season, like right, right, right before the season, but prior to that, they had also had some recruiting stuff happen that just doesn't typically happen, but it, it happens to other programs. It's not like this only happens to Gonzaga and that this happening to them is a, a sign of bad things to come. It's not a sign of uh, destruction in the future. Things are falling apart in Spokane. It's just a weird recruiting year. It's a quirky year. I like the way that Tommy Lloyd put it. It's a quirky recruiting year. You had Alex Tui decide he doesn't want to come to Gonzaga and stay playing professionally in Australia. Mind you, he's showing up on NBA draft boards, so that was probably a good decision by him. But a player choosing to stay in his home country and play professionally when given the opportunity, you can't really blame him. That's not Mark Few's fault. That's not the staff's fault. It's just one of those things that happened. They clearly identified a player that they felt would help them. They identified a player who is now showing up on NBA mock drafts, which, again, is a testament to their ability to find and identify talent overseas. He just chose to stay where he was. It's one of those things that happens. The Marcus Adams Jr. saga was very weird, very unique, 
very unprecedented and just ultimately resulted in Gonzaga thinking for about a month that they were going to land a player that would fill a role for them. And he ultimately didn't end up coming to campus, whether it was because he changed his mind, whether it was because there was academic issues with his uh, with his um, uh, transcript. Who knows? Who knows? We don't really know the full detail on that right now. Caden Perry, who probably wouldn't have played a significant role, but still having Caden Perry be forced to medically retire because of an injury is sad. It's an unfortunate situation for him, and it created an open scholarship at a time where Gonzaga didn't really have the the ability to fill it in a way that they wanted to. It was just a quirky recruiting year. Those things happen. That, coupled with the injury, just created a situation where Gonzaga wasn't as prepared for the season. They didn't have as much depth. They didn't have as many players like ready to contribute coming off the bench as they hoped. And they had to rely on Dusty Stromer to step into a starting role, which he has filled very admirably, but that still took talent away from the roster. Not having steel venters created a, a issue for Gonzaga's roster and Dusty filling in has done well, but it means that there's no backup. There's no, there's no Dusty coming up behind Dusty because he has to start now. So Yo had to fill a bigger role. He has shown that he is still raw. I think he could play more. I have had that criticism of Mark Few this season that I think that Yo needs to fill a bigger role on this roster than he currently is. Hopefully, over these next five games in particular, we will see Yo step into a bigger role. They also had to rely on Krinovich more to step into a role. He wasn't ready to do that. Now he's hurt. That's just kind of another part of the deal. It's just part of the bad luck for this Gonzaga team. A lot of things came together to create a situation where Gonzaga wasn't as deep, wasn't as experienced, wasn't as prepared for the 2023-24 season as they wanted to be. Gonzaga doesn't usually have the string of bad luck, and that doesn't mean that we just completely remove any blame from the coaching staff or that we say that they've been perfect. It's just entirely bad luck outside of their control. That's not true, and that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Tommy's saying. That's not what anybody's saying. But when you look at a big picture of this team that has made the tournament in the last 24 years that has taken this program from, as Tommy said, a middle-of-the-road mid-major program to one of the top programs in the country, expecting that they're not going to have an occasional bad Every team has bad years. Only Kansas is continually in the big dance every year. We talked about it on Monday's show. Duke missed the tournament. Uh, North Carolina has missed the tournament very recently. And Kentucky has missed the tournament very recently. Like these true blue UCLA misses, is going to miss the tournament this year. They missed the tournament with uh, the last couple of years or in the last couple of years, they've missed the tournament as well. Like this happens to the best programs in college basketball and it happening to Gonzaga. And I'm not saying they're going to miss the tournament, but they're in danger of doing so. And even if that is the case, even if that's what happens, it is not the sign of the apocalypse. It is not the end of the road for Gonzaga as a premier basketball program. I feel like a lot of people I'm seeing on social media, a lot of people even in our Discord channel, have this kind of doomsday approach of like, if they don't make it, it's over. And it's like, that might have been the case after nine years of Gonzaga making the tournament. But Gonzaga's made it for 25 years in a row now, or close to 25 years. There is no reason to feel like one quirky off year where they had preseason injuries, where they had some recruiting stuff happen that doesn't typically happen, doesn't mean that it is the end of the road. And I think that's the point that Tommy's trying to make. And I think when looking at, at this season so far, again, a team that has only lost to really good teams so far, uh, again, if people, if many other people in the industry are viewing this team as a top 25 team, we should maybe pump the brakes on the fear and the panic that we're having about this team right now. We're going to close out the show with discussion on Gonzaga's non-conference schedule and a little bit more about Coach Tommy Lloyd all coming up right after this. All right, folks, final segment here. 
Wednesday, Locked On Zags. We're going to preview the Pepperdine game on Thursday's episode. Of course, on Friday, we'll be back with a review of the game against Pepperdine and a preview of Saturday's game against San Diego. Before we get to that, though, I got two more mailbag questions to get to here to close out the show. This one comes from Salag16 via Discord, who says, Do you believe the departure of Mike Roth has had a factor? In this year's schedule, it seems odd scheduling, such as a tough Yale team first, San Diego State in an important game over the holidays. Seems like weird choices. Not sure if the admin change had something to do with it. Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, scheduling is not affiliated with the athletic director at all. I don't think at any school is that. I mean, they may have some say, some oversight, but they don't make that schedule. That is not the role of Mike Roth. It is not the role of any athletic director in college basketball that I can think of. Uh, it's all done by the staff. Mark Few, of course, has the biggest say, the biggest oversight. Logistics are often handled by, by assistant coaches. I don't know who exactly at Gonzaga does scheduling. I have some theories. I have some guesses. I don't want to assign anybody that role on this show unless I'm certain about it. So I'm not going to say who I think it might be. But I will say the scheduling quirks this year, I don't think have anything to do with Gonzaga. I don't think this is their fault. I don't think this is their doing. I don't think this is necessarily how they envisioned or planned the scheduling. I think, simply put, scheduling is really hard. And Gonzaga is a team that is kind of at a disadvantage in terms of trying to schedule non-conference. I've spoken with, for those of you who listen to Locked On College Basketball Podcast, I've spoken with Seattle U head coach Chris Victor. We've spoken with Shantae Leggins at UP, spoken with Chris Gerlifson at University of San Francisco. And as mid-major coaches, they all talk about the challenges of making non-conference schedules. Gonzaga is in a different boat than those programs, but in some ways they are not. People do not want to go play at the kennel. Teams don't want to play there. Why would they want to play there? It is a guaranteed loss most of the time. San Diego State obviously proved that wrong, but San Diego State is a very, very premier program. It is tough to get teams to play at the kennel. It is tough to get teams to agree to play with you. And I think that that is something that Gonzaga has still struggled with. We've kind of seen Gonzaga ascend past the point that, you know, Randy Bennett and St. Mary's are, are starting to get past that point too, where they have these huge struggles scheduling and then teams blame them for playing poor schedules. And it's kind of this vicious cycle of, well, you don't play anybody good, so you shouldn't get seated as high, but also we don't want to play you because we think you're going to beat us, but we don't want to say that out loud. So we're just going to pretend that you're not good because you don't play a good schedule. Like it's this vicious cycle that that was at Gonzaga for years and that because Gonzaga has fought really hard and been said and said we're willing to play anybody anywhere and they're willing to play these uh, these neutral site home and homes the way that they did with Alabama that the way that, that they are currently doing with UConn they've done these with Arizona in the past as well a handful of other teams Duke uh, being among them like they have proven they're willing to play anybody anywhere anytime and I think that that has helped them kind of be able to put together these really tough non-conference schedules, but they still can't get people to play them at the kennel. North Carolina was, it was shocking when they agreed to do that. Texas agreed to do that, but that that's kind of it. They still really struggle to get those premier programs into the McCarthy athletic center. And so I think that's why you see Gonzaga schedule in different ways. I don't think Gonzaga wanted to play San Diego state over winter break. Coaches hate winter break games. This is a known fact within the college basketball industry. They hate winter break games. And we saw it this year. Gonzaga was not the only good team that seemed to struggle over winter break. Creighton, I mentioned them earlier. They struggled over winter break. UConn struggled over winter break. Like teams struggle in this time period where their students aren't there, where they're, you know, maybe just got back from seeing their family over the holidays, which was the case for Gonzaga. It's just a hard time to play a game. But that was probably the only time they could get San Diego State to play them at the kennel. And I'm not saying San Diego State, like, strong-armed them and said, we'll only play you if it's over winter break. I just think that's the way, that, as you said in your question, Derek, that's the way the cookie crumbled. That's the way it worked out for Gonzaga this year. I also don't think they planned for the game against Yale on November 10th to be the first game of the season. 
Gonzaga very, very rarely waits four days into the college basketball season to make their season debut. I don't think that was the plan. I think they wanted to play somebody else on November 6th, that first Monday of the year, whether it was a, a North Florida type or an Idaho State type or somebody like that, but they couldn't find anybody willing to play them. So I think that the scheduling, it has, to, again, to answer the, the question directly, I don't believe it has anything to do with Mike Roth's departure from the program. I think it just has to do with sort of what we talked about in the second segment of it just being a quirky year, quirky year recruiting, quirky year with injuries, quirky year with scheduling. Sometimes those things all ascend together at the same time and kind of create this situation that Gonzaga has found themselves in. I don't think it's a, a concern long term. I don't think Gonzaga typically wants to play three SWAC teams, but they had to buy these games. They bought these games against Mississippi Valley State and Arc Pine Bluff and Jackson State because they needed to fill out their schedule. And I don't know that that will continue to happen. I do think that that's part of the reason Gonzaga wants to get out of the WCC where they can schedule, where if scheduling becomes a challenge the way that it has, and they're not able to get these marquee non-conference games, they at least know they have they're littered with quad one games if they're in the Big 12 or if they're in the Big East, and they know that it's not as big of an issue. Next question here comes, the final question of the show comes from Rolando via Twitter DM. Rolando says, when it is all said and done in Tommy Lloyd's career, will he ever be the head coach at Gonzaga at some point in time? My gut says no. I would say probably not, but I also wouldn't say never. I'm going to give it like a 30% chance, 25 to 30% chance. I just don't think the timing works out because I don't think Tommy's leaving Arizona anytime soon. There is no reason for him to leave Arizona. They have been considered at points this year the best team in college basketball. Uh, they're consistently a top-five team in college basketball this year. They've fallen out of that conversation right now after the loss on the road to Stanford. But typically, throughout Tommy Lloyd's tenure, and he's only been there for a couple of years, Arizona has been a top-10 team in college basketball. He's the winningest coach through his first two seasons in college basketball history as a first-year head coach. Winningest coach through his first two years ever. There is no reason to leave Arizona. Yes, Arizona is, as a school, as an institution, is having financial issues. That has been well documented. They are in deep debt financially. I don't think that that's going to have a huge impact on the basketball program. I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong about that. I'm not going to pretend to have deep knowledge of the institutional debt that Arizona is facing. I don't know all the details there. They are moving to the Big 12. The Big 12 is going to afford them more financial opportunities uh, because of the football in the Big 12 is better. It's also going to be a better basketball conference for them. I think it is. there's there's little reason to see Tommy Lloyd leaving Arizona anytime soon. I have no idea how long Mark Few is going to coach. I don't know. I don't see any – it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. doesn't seem like he wants to leave anytime soon. So I think he's going to be there for a while. I think Tommy's going to be at Arizona for a while. But I still don't know that Tommy jumps from Arizona to Gonzaga when, Tom, when Mark Few leaves. I don't see that as the likely scenario at this point. It doesn't seem likely to me. I would guess that the replacements for Mark Few at this point could be Brian Michelson, depending how much longer Mark Few stays. I don't think Michelson is necessarily the answer if Mark Few were to retire tomorrow, but I think he might be the answer in five years, in eight years, in 10 years, if Mark Few lasts that long. I would keep an eye on Leon Rice, the head coach at Boise State. Leon was a longtime assistant at Gonzaga. Him and Mark Few are very close friends. They go fishing every summer. Their kids are close. Like That is a really close relationship. Between Mark Few and Leon Rice, Leon Rice is a very successful head coach at Boise State. Boise State has been the best, has played the best basketball in their school's history under coach Leon Rice. To me, that feels like a slam dunk hire for Gonzaga if they ever needed to replace, when they need to replace Mark Few. He will not coach forever, but he might coach for another 15, 20 years. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Mark Few chooses to do that. Whether Tommy is ever a part of that conversation at this point is, is really hard to know. 
I don't see him leaving Arizona for Gonzaga as I don't think that he will view that as a better opportunity unless things go awry at Arizona budget-wise, NIL-wise, if things fall apart there, perhaps, which is why I say that it's not a 0% chance, 20 30%, something like that. But the, the, the timing doesn't seem like it's going to line up at this point. That's going to wrap it up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. I want to thank all of you for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out those everyday listeners. Shout out those of you on the Discord channel as well if you want to join us where we're chatting Gonzaga basketball 24-7. The link is in your show notes on both audio and video platforms. We'll be back on Thursday previewing the Gonzaga's game against the Pepperdine Waves. Talked about the women's basketball team as well, all coming up later this week. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, as always, go Zags.